There's no one here, Jack. Clarice. Yeah, great job, dingus. You sent her right into the lair of Buffalo Bill. What's the matter with you? This Jack Crawford guy, how can we realistically believe he should be in charge of anything? Welcome, one and all, to another non-full issue. Yep, yep, another one of these. But we're not slacking, I promise. We just want to put everything we can into the next full issue, Volume 1, Issue 5 of In Lieu Of. But until then, and you know I'm just going to jump right in this time, In Lieu Of a regular issue, join me, won't you, as I ponder the silence of the guru. Or, to put it a different way, Crawford's indifference and Dixby's ambivalence. Starline. Clarice in. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Crawford. Sorry to pull you off the course at such short notice. Your instructors tell me you're doing well. Top quarter of your class. I hope so. They haven't posted any grades yet. A job's come up and I thought about you. Not a job, really. More of an interesting errand. Sit down. Yes, sir. I remember you from my seminar at UVA. You grilled me pretty hard, as I recall, on the Bureau's civil rights record in the Hoover years. I gave you an A. A minus, sir. Let's see, double major, psych and criminology, graduated magna, summer internships at the Reisinger Clinic. It says here, when you graduate, you want to come to work for me in behavioral science. Yes, very much, sir, very much. We're interviewing all the serial killers now in custody for a psychobehavioral profile. Could be a real help in unsolved cases. Most of them have been happy to talk to us. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. Yeah, so this is one of those weird ones for me. Um, Have you ever had a movie experience? You know, you go see a movie and it's kind of clear who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, or at least who the good guys are supposed to be and who the bad guys are supposed to be. You watch Silence of the Lambs, the Silence of the Lambs, the the movie that pulled off sort of, I think it was, I don't know if it has a name, but it's when you win Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Actress. Uh, that'd be Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Demme, and uh, Best Picture, The Silence of the Lambs. Um, when it did that at the Oscars, a uh, highly insanely popular movie, successful movie at the time uh, when it came out, and it is obviously a classic, right? It's something that I always make sure that I have uh, near to me, uh, especially during October Halloween time. It's one of my all time favorites and it still, uh, creeps me out to this day, uh, to the bone, but I got to tell you, and this is the point I was making earlier. Have you ever had those movie experiences where, um, someone just unnerves you maybe, or maybe you're rooting for someone and you know that even within the confines of the movie, you're not, you're not necessarily reading. You're not having sort of a brilliant read of the movie. Like, Oh, everyone else has it wrong. It's like, no, clearly this person is not meant to be maybe a figure of, that you're supposed to idolize or look up to or maybe it's the other direction a person that makes you feel kind of cringy or you just don't know how to feel about even though the movie's like you should feel this way 
Or maybe it wouldn't be weird if you felt this way about this character. Um, For me, in The Silence of the Lambs, and as many weird characters as there are in this movie, as many creepy characters, right? There's Hannibal Lecter himself. There's Buffalo Bill, uh, Jamie Gum, uh, or James Gum, James Gum, whatever his actual name is. Um, Dr. Chilton, the, uh, the, the head of the, um, of the, of the asylum where Hannibal Lecter is, um, imprisoned, right? He's a super creep, but, and I gotta tell you, for me in this movie, it's Jack Crawford, the character played by Scott Glenn, um, who I actually think a character played magnificently by Scott Glenn. I mean, it's certainly, he's certainly a character that I've thought a lot about, maybe even in ways that I, the movie didn't intend for me to think about this character. And again, I, I don't know what it is. And I'm going to try to explore that more in this in lieu of a regular issue. What is it about Jack Crawford that I find so inscrutable in a way? Um, he's so sort of nonchalant about everything he gets you know he gets worked up towards the end of the movie that scene where he realizes Clarice uh, may or uh, quite possibly is in danger and you know the camera zooms in and he says Clarice yeah great job dingus you sent her right into the lair of Buffalo Bill what's the matter with you this Jack Crawford guy how can we realistically believe he should be in charge of anything when he's talking to Clarice, you know, when we first see them meet, clearly they reference a uh, he, you know, she was a student of his from a, in a in a in a prior um, year, you know, in, in in an earlier year to the events of this film, and he remembers her. You know, she she asked him a lot of tough questions, and he gave her an A. Well, actually, it was an A minus, sir. You know, and then they they have that whole exchange, and there's always this weird. Uh, kind of chemistry or or attempted chemistry between the two there's always the you know oh i'm the i'm the student who's looking up to the teacher i fall in love with my teacher or whatever even hannibal lecter uh badgers clarice later with uh, questions about um her feelings for crawford and potentially crawford's feelings for her but you know and even and in the scene just his body language and i think it's maybe you know what it might be uh first i want to say the body language here he sits in the chair he puts his hands behind his head kind of leaning back and he asks her you know oh you you know you grilled me pretty hard and you know and then he gets to the point do you spook easily starling it's like that's that's uh strange anyway it's just yeah he's very loose um he doesn't make a lot of eye contact but when he does and i think this may be the part of the movie that maybe i'm remembering in a specific way because it was the first time that i that i saw this movie and this is the first scene where uh the director jonathan demi he sort of has those shots where it's one character speaking into the camera um and then it cuts to the other character who's listening to it but they're also looking into the camera so both characters are weirdly looking straight into the audience um but it goes back and forth but they're they're talking to each other but they're talking to the audience it's kind of a neat trick um, when you stand back and and look at the scene um this first scene between them and they do this a lot in the movie this happens between clarice and hannibal um i feel like there's even exchanges um potentially with buffalo bill i can't remember i can't actually recall it's towards the end of the movie but this happens a lot um oh clarice talking to the two professors uh who um study insects and when they you know they introduce the death's head moth uh those guys you know it's it's clarice and then the guy and then clarice and then the guy and they're looking at each other it's just it's very unsettling and i guess that's the point but the first time this happens and the first figure we see in this weird mode where he's like looking deep into clarice and or the audience's soul he he has just that stare and it's really piercing and off-putting and i guess i associate that subconsciously with scott glenn um when really all the characters do it um and i don't know what it is about him too again there's that older sort of he's the he's the sort of father figure but he's also could be a figure 
fear of desire. It's just, it's one of those creepy, and that's the thing about this movie. Go back and watch this movie. I mean, everyone hits on Clarice. Every uh, guy, every straight guy in the movie is hitting on Clarice. They're they're trying to ask her, uh, Dr. Chilton, right now I'm watching the scene um, where he's talking about Baltimore can be quite a town if you have the right guide and you should come out with me. And it's just, it's it's really strange and, and creepy. And then the, uh, the professor I was talking about with the, you know, do you go out for cheeseburgers and beer? You know, it's, what are you talking about? And, you know, even later when she's surrounded by the cops, we'll get to that scene in a minute when they go to um, the uh, funeral for the where one of the bodies was the Buffalo Bill victims uh, bodies were uh, was recovered. Um, Those guys just looking at her and leering at at her, you know, the only woman uh, in the room. um, But she's on her she's on their level. Right. She's a law enforcement officer. Uh, She has a gun, too, and a badge. But it doesn't matter because she's a she's a woman and we should stare at her and treat her. It's it's really weird. Like this whole movie, it's a big thing in this movie. But Crawford's the one Crawford, I guess, is the one straight male we can assume, I guess, who, who doesn't overtly hit on Clarice. There's just something about Crawford's chill. You know, he's just he's too relaxed. He's too relaxed in all these scenes. Um, And I don't really ever I I don't I feel like I don't understand why the character's here. Clarice, phone. It's the guru. Crawford. Thanks, Ardelia. Starling. Sir. Miggs is dead. Dad. How? The orderly heard Lecter whispering to him all afternoon and Miggs crying. They found him at bed check. He'd swallowed his own tongue. Starling? Yeah, I'm I'm still here, sir. I just... I don't know how to feel about this. You don't have to feel any way about it. Lecter did it to amuse himself. The scene where Clarice finds out that Miggs is dead. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go over the Miggs scene. You can... Remember this scene if you've seen the movie. I know you know what I'm talking about. And for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, I guess go see the movie. But uh, see this certain parts at your own at your own discretion. Um, but the scene where he's talking about Migs and, you know, it's clearly traumatic for Clarice and you don't know how much Crawford knows about what happened. Um, you sort of assume, or at least I assume that Clarice um, doesn't tell Crawford, you know, this is maybe the first time they're speaking since Um, she left the asylum and that thing happened, you know, but did he find out some other way? Did Barney say something? Did Dr. Chilton say something? I mean, who knows? So again, he's sort of just, well, Miggs is dead and, uh, you know, anything else from the meeting, you know, he's all, it's all, it's all very cold and, and down to business. Um, almost like he's not, he's purposely not asking Clarice something or inquiring about something. It's just a little too perfect of a delivery. Um, and it's just done with, again, that calm, that very, that, that serenity that Scott Glenn has in, in most scenes that he's in, in this movie, it just, nothing really phases him. He chuckles sometimes. He never... Uh, it never goes the, you know, the emotions, I guess, never go one direction or the other. They never get turned up to a hundred or completely muted at all. It, it's always just sort of hovering. And I think that's the part that I just find uh, weird because I, I and, and, and I guess the other strange thing is I feel like I have a lock on most of the other characters in this movie. I feel like I know how I feel about them. Does that make sense? I can say Clarice Starling. It makes me uh, react or I feel about Clarice Starling X and Dr. Hannibal Lecter. I feel Y, Dr. Chilton Z and so on and so forth. Jack Crawford, he's inscrutable. I'm going to say that word a lot. I think I've already said it once. Um, He is just it's in this inscrutable character. And I guess, 
you know, I could take it aside here for a minute, and if you've seen uh, Red Dragon, uh, the the 2000, I believe 2002, I want to say, um, prequel, but that came out after Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, um, the prequel to this story, to this universe, and, you know, uh, I believe Harvey Keitel plays Jack Crawford, and I think that Scott Glenn's portrayal in this movie, I mean, he has a smaller part in the Silence of the Lambs film, um, he, has a, he has a larger part in Red Dragon, so that could be part of it too, but um, Harvey Keitel I think did a did a fine job. Uh, I think he did a good job with the with what he had to do. Uh, it wasn't that memorable though. Like sometimes I have to remember that he was Jack Crawford. I never have to think about Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn in my mind, Jack Crawford. Um, so is Lawrence Fishburne, and I'll get to that in a moment for the for the television series that I thought was uh, phenomenal. It was a great, great, great show that of course had to be canceled and not picked up by Netflix yet or Amazon or come on Hulu. But Harvey Keitel, I just I feel like he's just he's there. It's Harvey Keitel as Jack Crawford. And I know how I feel about that. Uh, but again, I go back to Scott Glenn. I don't know. And I and in some and when I think about it, sometimes I think the movie doesn't want me to know the movie wants to keep me sort of in the dark. Like, is this a good guy? And maybe not just the Silence of the Lambs, but uh, Hannibal, the Hannibal mythology um, as it's appeared in cinema and on television and especially on television. I mean, uh, how amazing was the show Hannibal? Um, I loved that show. These how they subverted um, what I knew from the, the the parts of the books that I've read or from these movies, the the the, the three main Anthony Hopkins films. You know, it just turns characters um, and those characters motivations um, on their heads several times. And then you're really dizzy by the end of it. It was a, just a, it was it was just a great show. And I was I, I had my reservations about Lawrence Fishburne as Jack Crawford. Uh, I just didn't know how it would come off because, you know, he had gotten, uh, yeah, by this point, he'd already been cast as Perry White in the Zack Snyder uh, DCEU, the, the, you know, the, the Man of Steel universe, Batman v Superman universe that they were that they were trying to build. Um, and he was he was he was great. He was an awesome Perry White. Um, but, you know, he started, you know, I just I, I didn't want him to play too many iconic characters or I guess too many iconic characters that I knew about or felt were special. He uh, yeah, I just I was I was a little afraid. But then, you know, my my fears were quickly dispelled when I when I saw the first few episodes. He was he was magnificent. Um, but even then, I know how I feel about his Jack Crawford. I guess I just got more. There's more screen time. Um, and he he gave me more. I don't know. I feel like Scott Glenn keeps a lot inside. He acts his his uh the way he thought about acting the part of jack crawford was almost a homage to how he felt jack crawford was in real life or in the real life of the movie i don't know if that made sense and i'm playing it back in my head that may have been may have gone off the rails a little bit for me but there's something about his performance and its understatedness that i think mirrors um jack crawford He's playing Jack Crawford, but there's a there is a part of Jack Crawford that may be even closed off to Scott Glenn, perhaps. And that was as close as he could actually get to understanding, therefore uh, portraying this character. I mean, he clearly did something right because I'm sitting here uh, years later, years after this film came out and years after I saw it for the first time and, and, and just fawning over and analyzing and just scrutinizing to death his performance. Excuse me, Sheriff Perkins. These are the FBI people. Sheriff Perkins, Jack Crawford, FBI. Special Agent Terry, Agent Starling. We appreciate being invited to your jurisdiction. I didn't call you. That was somebody from the state attorney's office. We'll extend you every courtesy, but right now I... Sheriff, uh, this type of sex crime has certain aspects I just as soon discuss in private. You know what I mean? Starling. 
When I told that sheriff we shouldn't talk in front of a woman, that really burned you, didn't it? It was just smokes, darling. I had to get rid of him. Matters, Mr. Crawford. Cops look at you to see how to act. Matters. Point taken. All right. Now, this part pisses me off. I think, uh, I think, and this part is meant to piss you off. Um, they've just arrived at the funeral home um, where the body is being uh, held before the funeral um, by the medical examiner, one would assume, and the local sheriff's department. Um, it's one of Buffalo Bill's victims. It's been, um, you know, weighted in the river. Uh, they just found it. Um, they've identified, I think they've identified her at this time. And it's kind of, it's Clarice's sort of first dead body crime scene. At least that's the inference. Um but, you know, they're in a part of the south, the southeast, I think. Or, I mean, maybe somewhere in the Midwest. I think it's it's West Virginia. I don't know. I just it, it just flashed across the screen and I missed it. Um, and, you know, this is where they find the body. So it's like this sort of southern town. It's supposed to be this sort of, I think, like the idea is this hick town where, of course, there's no women in law enforcement. You know, there's no women in in uh, any positions of power. So these guys don't really know what to do when they meet uh, this this uh, woman who is an, also an FBI agent or how about we say an FBI agent who happens to be a woman. Um, and, you know, she's not a special agent yet. So she's still sort of has to you know she has that graduation scene at the end which hopefully we'll talk about with scott glenn in it of course as jack crawford but you know she's here and she's oh and then she's about to have her flashback remembering her father's funeral her father was in law enforcement he died uh the mom had died earlier so she went to live on the farm with the with the lambs this is the screaming of the lambs clarice have they stopped screaming and i've just spoiled the movie for you if you haven't seen it yet if you haven't seen silence of the lambs yet uh, a, what's wrong with you? And B, why are you listening to this podcast first? Go, go watch this movie. It's it's much better than this. What you're listening to now, trust me. But yeah, so Crawford basically has to say uh, to the sheriff, "Look, there's some with these sex crimes. I think that's what he says. Uh, you know, in the in the cases of these sex crimes, you know, there's some indelicate or indecent things that we need to talk about. We men, uh, and let's not do it in front of the woman. You know, and he does this. Um, you kind of find out later on purpose." Um, which is also kind of like doubly sick in a way, like doubly just F you Clarice. But that's, I guess, neither here nor there. But basically it works, right? He he pulls the sheriff aside and says, all right, hey. And they go away for a while. Clarice has her flashback and then they bring her back in with the body. And um, Clarice then has this moment where she has to clear out all the officers. Uh, Crawford's on the phone doing something. The medical examiner and the photographer are getting ready to examine the body. And uh, Clarice has to kind of clear the room of all these male uh, sheriff's deputies and officers and you know she gets their attention and she says y'all you know go on and leave now get on get out of here and they kind of sit there for a minute and they look to their sheriff and the sheriff's like you know go ahead and they all leave um, and, and the sheriff leaves too the one that Jack Crawford pulled aside earlier so he goes out too and you find out this later that this was a ploy by Crawford to say look I had to just blow smoke I, I knew that they were they were good old boys and I just had to blow smoke uh, to get them out of the room you know I did this so that we could conduct our investigation and Clarice comes back with like the in, in an amazing comeback, um, and she says something to the effect of, "You know, they watch you, uh, you know, Mister Crawford. You know, they they watch how you act. You know." And she says, "It matters. You know, it matters how you act in front of these other men who are in law enforcement, who are in the same uh, profession as you, and you are seen again. This is a this is a universe where this sort of cold, clinical, um, private." A uh, man, this guy who is kind of, again, very inscrutable and it's really hard to read. Um, he is a genius. People know who he is. Um, it, it, it's not inconceivable that people, these sheriff's officers, these 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 deputies were briefed on who this guy was. And he's a bigwig at the FBI. 
So to Clarice's point, it really does matter what Crawford does, how he acts and what he says. And it's kind of a great lesson. And Crawford, of course, responds with, you know, something like point taken, you know, and then he, he he's in they're in the car. Right. They're going back to, I guess, their hotel or maybe to the airport to head back to D.C. or something. And he falls asleep. You know, he goes back to sleep. He's sort of like, you know, point taken, Starling. Thanks for that. And he goes back to sleep. It's like, what the hell did any of that get through? And, you know, Clarice just goes on uh, and uh, talking into her um, to her tape recorder to go over, you know, uh, the victim was, you know, and she goes over the statistics and she's doing her uh, behavioral analysis of the killer. And uh, Crawford's going to take a nap. You know, I, I wonder if and that's been something that I guess I've, I've thought about before is I wonder if Crawford took that to heart or if this is, you know, probably the hundredth time or the hundred and first time that he's done something like this and maybe the hundredth time that he was corrected um, by someone who didn't care for his behavior and if he just has, is repeating it because he knows it works. Um, there is there is something to be said to Clarice's point that it'll never change. You know, Crawford, you have to blow smoke because of the culture, but the culture can't change unless people like you help make it change. There's just something so wonderful, wonderfully poignant and powerful in that uh, it's small exchange and you might miss it um again this movie what do we know this movie for uh it's hannibal lecter it's it's the prison scene and the face on the face and the and the grab his hand there son talk to him what do i say that's jim pembry now talk to him damn it and he that happens to be one of my favorite exchanges in the movie by the way Uh, i i love sheriff tate um but yeah i think you blink and you miss that exchange and i think it's a really important um, exchange not just for sort of the overall message of the movie of the film um, but also of how we should get to know these characters better the character of Clarice Starling who again I feel like I I know or at least I know how I feel about Clarice Starling I cannot say the same for Scott Glenn's Jack Crawford Clarice M. Starling congratulations Charlie? Look, I just wanted to say congratulations. And uh, I'm not much good at this kind of thing, so I'm going to duck out of here. Okay, sure. Thank you, Mr. Crawford. Um. Your father would have been proud today. And now we skip ahead to the cake. Oh, do you remember the FBI cake? Uh, Clarice gets, um, she gets, she becomes a special agent. I think, you know, she graduates from the FBI, from FBI school. I don't really understand how any of this works clearly, but at the graduation party, you know, they're serving wine and the cake. It's this, it's this, um, circle cake, not too uh, stacked, maybe three layer circle cake with the FBI logo. You know, the, you know, the, the, the insignia, the, the eagle with the stars and everything it's on the cake and it looks almost like and at least to me when I first saw this it was uh, almost photorealistic obviously it doesn't really look that good when I'm watching in HD but yeah I loved that cake I really really wanted a piece of that cake when I saw this movie the graduation scene the awkwardness with Jack Crawford you know and he shakes her hand he says congratulations Starling and you know Hannibal Lecter um you know she gets a call from we who we find out is Hannibal Lecter he's calling her from the remote location and he's gonna have Dr. Chilton for dinner you know have an old friend for dinner but before the phone call happens, right, um, you know, Jack Crawford's there and he's like, you know, I'm no good at these things, Starling. I'm going to get out of here. But well done, well earned. And you did a great job. So the inference is, you know, she's going to probably go work for him or something or go work in behavioral sciences, whatever the case may be. Um, and they shake hands. 
And, you know, the director or the cinematographer or whoever was staging the scene, you know, did the close up on the handshake very much uh, mimicking the close up of when Clarice uh, and Hannibal's uh, hand touched earlier um, when they were in Nashville, when he was in when he had been transferred to the uh, to the jail cell in Nashville. So that's like a, a recall, you know, that's that's like a kind of a throwback to another cringy moment. So how cringy was the handshake between Clarice and Jack? It's up to you. But for me, again, um, he doesn't show any warmth. He doesn't really show. I mean, he's just sort of like, you know, congratulations. And he smiles and, you know, he's happy for her. But, you know, she kind of almost single handedly um, caught this guy. Um, I say almost because obviously there are more people involved in the investigation, but pretty much every single thing. And totally her, by the way, when, you know, it actually came to apprehending him, you know, physically fighting this guy and, and, and killing him eventually. And well, she didn't apprehend him. She killed him. But that was all Clarice Starling. She didn't have any help from anybody. But, you know, she basically uh, kind of handed this one to Jack Crawford and he's still just like, you know, good job, you know, and. Uh, I guess I just wanted there to be more. I wanted them to sort of have grown, but they're sort of in the same place. Their relationship seems like it's in the same place. This sort of understated, unspoken uh, sort of uh, tension, respect thing. Um, it's kind of not, it hasn't really changed. It's the way that it is at the end of the movie as it is, is at the beginning of the movie in their first interaction. But for me, I just found it kind of underwhelming. I wanted there to be some kind of closure to the relationship, and I feel like there wasn't. And who do I blame? Scott Glenn's Jack Crawford. Of course. Be very careful with Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Chilton at the asylum will go over all the physical procedures used with him. Do not deviate from them for any reason whatsoever. And you're to tell him nothing personal, Starling. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. Well, that about does it for me, kiddos. I think I'm going to go hit the old dusty trail. Or hit the hay, or get some shut-eye, or, or something that would indicate I'm no longer talking on this podcast for a spell. But we're hoping that that spell doesn't last for too long. It will be our last full issue of this volume of Volume 1, Cultured Fear. But don't you fear, uh, because we're, we really want to make it great. We want to make it uh, one of the best of the previous four full issues uh, that exist of this show. I hope you've had fun this in lieu of a regular issue because I had fun because my name is Dixby Caravaggio and you know what? I hope you have a great rest of your day and or night. We'll see you next time, everyone. Everyone.